Welcome everyone to the Sunday School Lesson Series for St. Mark AME Zion. We are honored to assist in creating an audio recording of the Sunday School Lessons for your listening convenience. We hope that you will listen as often as you need. Our hope is that you will gain deeper insights into the subject materials and be able to apply the lessons to your everyday life, creating a transformative learning experience. Up next is the Adult Unit 1. Jesus teaches about faith. Our lesson this morning is Why Do You Doubt? Our topic is an amazing feat. The devotional reading is Isaiah the 38th chapter verses 16 through 20. Our background scripture is Matthew the 14th chapter verses 22 through 23. Join us now with Minister Jeff for this week's study. Welcome, welcome, Minister Jeff Austin. Hey, this is the Sunday School Series for St. Mark Amy Zion Church. Good morning, everybody. Hopefully, you folks are listening and you're going to get something out of it because God has a word for us today. We are messing around with the format a little bit, um, looking at our literature, which we're coming out of the uh, prescribed uh, literature for our Sunday school series from our young people adult quarterly. Uh, we're in our fourth quarter uh, here for June, July, and August of 2021. We are uh, going to go ahead with the lesson for June 27th. I believe Sister Lydia is up this week. I don't have it in front of me. But anyway, what we're doing with this is we're just making audio recordings of our Sunday school literature, just in case you might be wanting to listen in to it or come back to it sometimes during the week. We encourage that. Uh, with all of you, because we know what God's word says. It says to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the only way we can do that is by studying, by getting in there and reading it and meditating on it and praying about it and seeing how it will affect our lives. Remember, you know, studying the Bible is uh, has a, a, a primary goal attached to it. When we study God's word, we want our lives to be transformed. We want to renew the spirit of our minds, uh, you know, to be not conformed of this world because we're in the world, but not of the world. Understand that? Amen. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go right along with it. I suggest that as you listen, if you can, if you're at home, you know, pull out the literature and read along with it because I'm going to go right along with it. What we're going to do here is we are going to go through it. We're going to go ahead and read the actual scriptures for the daily home readings, which many of us sometimes don't do. I know I don't do every day. Sometimes I get to it. Sometimes I don't. But uh, I thought it would be a good thing to go ahead and read those scriptures so that, they, that you have them in case you didn't read them throughout the week, that you at least be able to hear them and be familiar with how they set up. Because each of the daily readings lead up to the uh, passage of scripture that will be highlighted on the Sunday. So like for this week, we got June 21st. That's Monday. We got Isaiah 38 chapter verses 16 through 20. We'll go ahead and read that and read the scriptures for each day leading into the lesson. And then we'll get into the lesson. Is that all right? I hope so. So here's what it is. June 21st, Monday, uh, the scripture for us to study on that day came from Isaiah 38 chapter verses 16 to 20, which says, O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these is the life of the Spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. 
but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast my sins behind your back. For Sheol or hell does not thank you, death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you, as I do today. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and he will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives. Oh, and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. And that was the scripture, Isaiah, the 38th chapter, verses 16 to 20. And it's basically, it's uh, if there was a title to it, it would be, Let's uh, Sing of the Lord's Faithfulness. Uh, Isaiah is extolling the wonders of praising God while you're living. He's basically saying once you're dead, you're not praising him, but praise him while you're living. Then it goes into Tuesday. Uh, we're going to Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 12. Uh, and this is the story of John the Baptist. And the title of that scripture, the caption that is being used is that the Baptist dies for the faith. Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 12, really talks about the story of John the Baptist uh, towards the end of his life. Uh, it reads, at the time Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, this John the Baptist, he's been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him, for Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, to Herodias, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, Herodias did, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet, talking about John. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, he, uh, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Mm, that's pretty tragic. That's pretty tragic. Because John held someone accountable for having a relation, probably an adulterous affair of some kind, um, he was beheaded. He spoke up for righteousness. He stepped out on his faith and he was beheaded because of it. Pretty grim stuff going on with John the Baptist there and how he died, considering how God used his life uh, to bring forth the gospel and to also set the stage for the coming of Jesus Christ. Um, a lot of different things you could think about that, but we wanted to reflect on that and give that story. Now, remember, we uh, lesson title here is Why Do You Doubt? That's the overall lesson, and these scriptures are leading up to that. Uh, why do you doubt? Man, you know, uh, 
walking for Jesus means that you are willing to sacrifice your entire life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically, to not be conformed to the ways of the world uh, and be able to stand against the ways of the world that says uh, things are acceptable to God, which in true, uh, in reality, are not. So in this case, John spoke up and was killed because he challenged Philip for having a woman that he should not have had. Then we come into Wednesday, Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 13, 21, a continuation of the previous scripture. Uh, the caption, it says the crowd's uh, hunger is satisfied. So now after John was beheaded and the word got to Jesus, now when Jesus heard in Matthew 14, chapter, uh, verses 13, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when he was, uh, when, it, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, well, we, we, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And he took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So <laughs> amazing, amazing. Here's a crowd. Jesus has bad news. He gets about John. He gets away for a second to, to probably, you know, pray and ask God for a blessing on John's life and also to grieve a little bit because John uh, was, was his cousin. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus, and uh, this was this this was a, a sorrowful news. It was definitely sorrowful news, but it also was a prelude to what was going to happen to Jesus too. And I'm sure that he, in that quiet time, those brief moments that he had, uh, was petitioning his father again uh, to make way for his will. So we're seeing this particular instance of uh, uh, an amazing feat. An amazing feat. We had 5,000 plus, actually, because if everybody was, let's say half of them were married. We don't know how many were married, how many children or women were there. But you could pretty much assure that it was not only 5,000 that was fed. It was closer probably to 7,500, maybe even up to 10,000. We don't really know. But it is an amazing fact that they had five loaves of bread, two fish. Jesus took what they had, blessed it, broke it up. And they pulled up 12 baskets full of leftovers. We had leftovers, leftovers when they only had enough for a couple of people and they ended up feeding 10,000. Why do we doubt? <laughs> it's a great question. When you look at the things and the examples and the miracles that Jesus did, why do we have doubts at all? But we do, don't we? 
So Thursday's scripture comes into John, the sixth chapter, verses 22 to 29, uh, with the caption of believe the one who sent you. It says, do not be anxious, verse 29. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, and all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You ever seen the lilies of the field? You ever seen a field of flowers? Beautiful, isn't it? Outstandingly, the brilliance of the colors and they go back and forth with the wind. It's just a peaceful, beautiful scene. And he's telling us, are you not more valuable than these? Don't you see that they don't, they don't have to do any of that stuff that you're fretting about? He said, quit fretting. Quit fretting. Why are you anxious about all that stuff, about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, all that? And don't we do this? I just had a discussion here the other day with some people that were, were fretting about finances and, and wondering where the heck things were going to come from. And, and I said, who are you believing in? Are you believing in what God says? Do you believe the nine words? I'm going to say this over and over and over again in our Bible classes and everybody I talk to. It comes down to belief of nine simple words. First five words is, in the beginning, God created. If you believe those five things, then you can believe the other four, that you are God's child. And if you believe all nine of those together, then you shouldn't have any anxiety. I remember one time in my life, you know, I'm going to say that story for later because I can get going for a while on that. But, but look at what he's saying. Look at what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't be anxious for anything. Folks, we can't, we, we got to be believers. We got to believe what it is that we're standing for. You know, we let the cares of the world get into us and we get distracted from the main purpose of our being, which is to seek God with everything that we have. Because he says, those that diligently seek me will find me. And once we find him, man. It's glorious. It's blessing filled. Our needs are taken care of. You know, um, you got to look back over your life and, 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 and think about those times, especially believers, you know, when things were, were extremely dark, according to the world's way of looking at darkness and light. Extremely dark. Finances might be bad and might be getting close to being evicted. Lights might be cut off. All these things that we need to, you know, live life on life's terms today, all that stuff could be threatened, but think about how God brought you through. Cause I know the folks that are listening to this call, the folks in our Sunday school, y'all got stories. Y'all got stories of how God has delivered you from many, many things. And that's what we hope uh, to get pulled out of you today is why are we afraid? Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt God? Then the scripture go into Friday, uh, June 25th, Matthew, the 14th chapter verses 34, 36, the sick are healed. The sick are healed. And here's another example. He says, and when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all the region and brought to him all who were sick 
and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment and as many as touched it were made well. Similar to the woman with the issue of blood who knew if she could only touch his garment that she would be healed. Her faith made her whole as these people came forward. They came forward believing they had no doubt that Jesus could do what he says he could do. Not only was he saying he was doing it, he was doing it all over the place. And that's why they called everybody out. The healer is here. You'd hear the town cry, ringing the bell now. The healer is here. Jesus is coming. You don't need to come and get your healing. Come and get it right now. Now we could put the same call out today. And in that day, it looked like thousands of people came out. But in today's world, what are we believing? We're believing in modern medicine. We're believing in the miracles of man. We're, we're leaning on our own understanding. Let's get back to the basics. Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt? That leads us up to the scripture for our Sunday Bible lesson. We now will go directly to the book and begin with our exaltation. Our scripture for Sunday is Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 22 to 33. Our celebration is when I can read my title clear. That's found in the hymnal, uh, number 506 in the uh, Amy Zion Bicentennial hymnal. Our declaration for this class this morning is Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 22 through 33, and it reads, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against him. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Amen, somebody. By the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. <laughs> so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Here's our affirmation. We should speak this together. You want to, you want to speak this out? We repent of our failure to trust God, to trust in God when caught up in a crisis. We repent of our failure to trust in God when caught up in a crisis. Here's our engaged section. In the depth of crisis, people are often caught between trust and doubt. We would trust that our help will come or will we trust that our help will come? Jesus, by walking on the water to save his disciples, demonstrated his divine empowerment 
to be the savior of all. I want you to share with the group such experiences one may refer to as the storms of life. How do we get through such troubling experiences? I want to share this story that I was going to tell earlier about speaking with someone here recently about finances, about things looking tight, you know. Uh, you know, I, I finally personally, and this is not bragging, but I, after many years of, of, of twisting in the wind over finances and where should I be in my life and, and, and Lord, I don't know what to do. So I don't even, you know, there are many periods of time where I doubted God. I doubted whether, you know what, I wasn't even thinking if God was going to do it or not. I was so wrapped up into worldly affairs that I didn't even look to God as the answers. Although I've known God and been walking with the Lord since I was 11 years old. But when those storms of life come, it is real easy to put God to the side until we can't do nothing else on our own. We feel that we got to rush into it and, and exhaust every effort that we can make to, to get through this time period. And let me tell you something that I've learned. And many of you older saints will probably, probably amen to this. The more I surrender these things to God, the easier it is for me to go through. That's just the way it is. I'm, I'm very, uh, I look very nonchalant a lot of times, especially my wife. My wife probably gets a little upset at me sometimes because I don't show a sense of urgency when crises are upon us. I try not to get anxious or bent out of shape because I know me. I know that if I get too bent out of shape or too anxious over what's going on in my life, that I'm liable to mess something up. <laughs> I really am. So I trust in God because God is the only one that can be trusted. He's the one that can produce miracles. He's the one that has set the purpose of my life in existence, period. He's in control. And if I give him control, let go, let God, uh, I tend to get through the trials and tribulations, not only with less anxiety, but much quicker. I know it's a hard thing to do because our our earthly beings say that we have to take care of our needs. We have to take care of self. Man, our society would tell you real quick, well, you better take care of yourself because ain't nobody else going to take care of you. Well, that's not what God says. God says that he takes care of us. Amen, somebody? So that's my experience is that through times of test, trial, tribulation, you know, me being an addict uh, for many, many years, you know, I have learned to trust God uh, because he's delivered me from things that, that no one else could have delivered me from. It was God who delivered me. It was no AA. It was no NA. It was, it was God, period. G-O-D, God, Father, creator of all. In the beginning, God created. And when he created, he created me. And I am a child of God. I believe those things today. So think about things that have happened in your life for Sunday. I want you to think about it today, tomorrow. And when we come together Sunday, hopefully we'll have some great experiences to talk about. Uh, uh, share your reactions uh, of times when you may have been extremely fearful. Uh, share your reactions for uh, where did you look to find your rescue? Share your reactions on have you ever undertaken a risky adventure with zeal only to lose heart later upon whom might you rely to save you from bad situations? Share, if you would, someone uh, whom you respect and admire and then someone, uh, a friend whom you, uh, one can trust 
in difficult times. For me, those answers are Jesus. <laughs> those answers are Jesus. Many people get upset with me because I don't seem to be putting a whole lot of faith into what they say. Well, I hear what people say, but I put those before the Lord for him to tell me on which way to go because my steps truly are ordered by the Lord. And when we surrender to him, he He, he orders our steps. Many times we get through trials and tribulations in the surrendered state. I'm telling you, much, much easier with less, less, uh, with less uh, uh, trepidation. Okay. It just, just seems smoother. All right, let's go forward. Educate. I'm going to go ahead and just read the rest of this because I only get 30 minutes on this podcast. So Matthew in the educate section, Matthew 14, the 22nd verse through 30, the storm rescue in Matthew 14 is the second time Jesus rescues his disciples from a potential boating disaster on the same lake. The other time was in Matthew, the eighth chapter verses 23 through 27. In both incidents, Jesus calls attention to the lack of or weakness of faith on the part of his followers. Mark's account in Mark 6, 45, 52 focuses on the disciples' lack of understanding rather than Peter's lack of faith. By walking on water, Jesus suspended the law of gravity. Job spoke of the capacity to walk on water as a means by which the omnipotence of God is demonstrated. Job 9 through 8, 9 and verse 8 rather. By faith, Peter also was able to suspend the laws of gravity as long as he trusted Jesus that it was possible. Jesus represents faith as a powerful entity by which God enables one to even have control over natural elements, a power which belongs only to God. This is to say that God highly honors human faith. As we recall Jesus pointing out in that well-known statement of his that with only faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. However, as Jesus often demonstrates, the power does not belong to us in particular, for we must look up to heaven and rely on the power of God to honor our faith. Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 31 to 33, Jesus uh, cheated or chided Peter for a lack of faith, but it did not prevent him from giving the disciple immediate assistance when Peter cried for help. It is only when Peter is restored to the other disciples on the boat that all of them together worshiped Jesus and declared him to be the son of God in verse 32. What might this detail reveal about the nature, faith, and witness of the church? The disciples had just witnessed Jesus demonstrate power available only to God. They saw him empower one of their number to join him in his sovereign control of the deep. As they were reunited with their master, they worshiped him, acknowledging his authority and expressing a submissive uh, submission and dependence. They could conclude nothing less than that Jesus was utterly unlike any other. Calling Jesus the Son of God showed the disciples recognition of him as that promised Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the witness to which they would eventually be able to carry to all the world. This powerful and deeply meaningful incident in today's lesson of Jesus walking on the water and Peter doing the same, even if only for a moment, has had a great impact on the church and its faith and trust in the gospel. This is one of the most impressive moments where Jesus commands our faith and belief. In light of this compelling incident discussed in small groups, if able, how we may feel alone during times of struggle, but still be assured that Christ is never far away when we call on him. As believers, we desire to participate in adventures of faith, trusting that God will be with us even when our faith falters. 
give testimonies of the same among participants. During times of personal storm, do you trust in Christ? Do we all trust God to hear our cries for help? Do we continue to trust even when divine intervention is not immediate? Is he an on-time God? Here are the questions of, of the I think. There are five of them. One, ask participants to share times of personal storms when God clearly intervened and brought calm into the circumstances. You may invite a special guest to share. Ask, how should we respond to God's interventions? Two, study the geographical position of the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a lake. Discuss why storms in this body of water are particularly menacing. Three, if able, ask participants to form two debate teams and discuss the merits of Peter, who got out of the boat, but began to sink versus the remaining 11 who did not attempt to get out of the boat at all. <laughs> Four, discuss how life storms help us build trust in Christ and his ability to intervene in our circumstances. Five, ask participants to use a note card to write the walking on water experience they would like to have. On the backside, they should write obstacles to carrying out their vision. Close with a prayer, asking for a renewed spirit of adventure and increased faith to do that which may seem impossible. Our key verse for today is Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? I would ask that we all take a look at number five. And if we can pull that, that's what's going to give us a, a heart for ministry and where our ministry heart is. Uh, and then we can all help each other and pray for God to bring that ministry forth in your life. Again, remember the key verse is Matthew 14, 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? That concludes our Bible lesson story for June 27th. Hopefully we got something out of it. Hopefully we'll be able to see everybody on Sunday morning or at least on our call on Sunday morning. Again, we will get those numbers out to everyone as soon as possible so that those that might be listening that are not current participants of the class can access and come join with us. It's Minister Jeff Austin with praising him today on behalf of our St. Mark Amy, Amy Zion Sunday School. We'll see y'all next time. We want to thank you for tuning in today for our Sunday School series. We hope that you will continue to tune in and join us maybe one of these Sunday mornings. We will be producing uh, the call-in number for our Sunday School class in uh, some upcoming episodes. But for right now, we're just going to uh, continue with our studies on, on a weekly basis. We will produce these podcasts on Fridays. So Friday morning, you can tap into the Sunday school lesson for Sunday and hopefully that you will uh, it will assist you in being better prepared for our class that is the reason for doing this podcast but as you uh, listen we encourage you to become a part of the St. Mark Amy Zion Sunday school uh, you'll get a you know if you're not able to come out or join the call on Sunday mornings at least you'll be able to get the information and the lessons that are being taught on Sunday mornings through here praise him and today on Fridays, Friday morning, we will have this done so that everyone can uh, tap into it and be better prepared for Sunday mornings. And that's what it's all about. We uh, hope to see you and hear from you very, very soon. It's Mr. Jeff Austin. We're praising him today.
We'll see you next time.